And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Hope you had a great, long Labor Day weekend. Enjoyed that final round coverage on Monday from East Lake. Dustin Johnson, well, he done it. He, he finally got his tour championship FedEx Cup playoffs. He's the winner, and I would have to think the player of the year as well, at least the, the favorite uh, at this point. And uh, held off Xander Schauffele. He made a gallant effort. Xander was the lowest in the field for the four rounds, if you want to look at it that way, which a lot of people are on Twitter. They are outraged right now. He beat DJ by, I believe, like four or five shots. Xander should be the tour champion. Will Haskett. Will, how you doing, my friend? Uh, thanks for uh, joining me here on the podcast. Man, my pleasure, Travis. Glad I could be here. And, and um, you know what? We have so much time to reflect on the season that was before the next season gets here. So I guess we have to squeeze it in in two days. <laughs> God, we got so much to talk about. We have to recap the season that was, right? Like we have to yes. break it all down, everything that happened in the season, reflect, and then, and then we have to prepare the audience for this brand new season that starts out in uh, Nampa Valley at uh, Safeway. And, uh, Will, I thought to... Uh, You'd be a great guest to come on here. I know you're out there talking the fairways with the best players in the world as a uh, broadcaster out there. Sirius XM, you hear Will does a great job uh, for the telecast on the radio. And um, you've been walking with DJ uh, a little bit. No surprise here. DJ, he turns it on and peak DJ, he, he shows that he is the best player in the world. Yeah, there's no doubt about that right now. And I think the, I, I hope doesn't get lost on, this run because we're, we're going to focus so much on the last, you know, five starts for DJ in the season. And, and we're going to flip and turn right into him being the favorite at the U S open in a couple of weeks, which is what makes this transition so interesting. And I love the fall events. I love the vibe of the fall events. Mm -hmm. I love, um, I love what it means for the players who aren't, you know, in the top 20 every year in the world or in the FedEx cup standings. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we have to get right back into talking about all of this stuff because it's going to be so relevant with the major championships that we still have to play here in this wacky 2020. And, and that's where I think the conversation for Dustin Johnson becomes so weighted because instead of just crowning him and saying, okay, 2020 was his year. And I think, I honestly think there's a really solid debate to be had between Dustin Johnson or Justin Thomas. And if you want to heavily weight the PGA championship win, I guess we can throw Colin Morikawa into the conversation for player of the year, but I think it's a DJ JT debate that I think is pretty healthy, but recency bias is really going to lean yeah. a lot of, I think voting sway to Dustin Johnson because of how he's played. But lest we forget 80, 80 to miss the cut at Memorial and then 78 and throws him in the trunk and walks away at 3M with, um, you know, a little bit of, I think what he called a, a back injury or something that was, you know, I think as much to do with trying to figure out his game as it was figuring out his body for the WD. And, you know, if you talk to Claude Harmon III and, and obviously his entire crew, it, it was merely just a tiny little takeaway um, in the irons um, that he was getting a bit too steep and they straightened that out. They didn't change the swing or anything, just made a, a minor observation, made a little bit of a change. And that was enough to if you look at it from a strokes gain standpoint, Travis, he was 12 shots better in five in five starts after that 80, 80, 78, if you looked at it to field average. I mean, that's incredible yep. for a guy who's at the top of his game, a PGA Tour player, to go from being that quote-unquote bad to that quote-unquote great 
in that stretch of time. It, he's in complete control of every aspect. There isn't a club in his bag right now that I don't trust for Dustin Johnson. And the reason why he's probably going to be player of the year is because it's not so much the, the FedEx Cup win. It's not so much the totality of the wins. And we can argue over whether he won two or three times this year on the PGA tour, I think it has to do with the flex of how he went about winning at the end Yeah, is that he erased any doubt. And I think he actually brought doubt into the Rory McIlroy alpha game or a game sort of comment is right now on their at their best game. Is there anybody in the world of golf that can beat Dustin Johnson when he's at his best? And I, I used to say Rory, and I don't even know if I believe that right now, the way that Dustin Johnson has showed us his game the last couple of weeks. I think that's why he wins it because there are so many subjective things that we then add into it with the 60, the 30 under par, the winning in different courses. I'm rambling on and on, but I know you want to, you know, we want to talk about so much about how DJ was yeah. great. And I think that's why he ends up being the player of the year is because he flexed so hard these last five starts. Yeah. And you know, the tweak that Claude Harmon made there, and I'm going to get into DJ's team here later on in the show, but yeah, he flexed hard. I mean, I think that's the difference as well. That's why I kind of opened up with, I think the front runner for the player of the year. I mean, you don't win by 11 at the Northern trust. I mean, just complete domination there almost wins the BMW. Of course, Rom gets the long putt to go down and then he hangs on and wins the tour championship. And he made the, um, the little adjustment got a little closer to the ball. I could see that with the driver right away too. You could see him get a little closer. He did drive the ball a bit better on Saturday. Uh, didn't drive it quite as well on Sunday. Believe it or not, actually, DJ lost point one in strokes and approach uh, at the Tour Championship, was positive in the rest. Um, at the BMW, he was positive six. At the Northern Trust, he was positive 12, which is just an absolutely insane number. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll throw this at you, Will. I've been saying it since it happened here on the podcast, getting a lot of feedback on it. Ah, he doesn't care. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Brooks called him out. I mean... You can look at it how you want, but I don't think that sat well with DJ. He was second at the PGA since that happened. Since that moment happened, it's been peak DJ. You tell me that he hasn't been motivated to some degree by those comments, the slight that was from Brooks. You don't go second, first, second, first by coincidence. Um, after, you know, Brooks was like, Hey, oh yeah, DJ's, he's only, he's only got one major. I mean, I'm not basically not too worried about him. Oh, okay. It, you, you want, you want focus DJ, you want peak DJ, you know, there's, there's the old saying, right? There's locker room material. Don't get the team pissed off. Don't give them any more motivation. I'm telling you, man, DJ Rory, these guys, they just go into funks, right? You know, Rory, obviously so with his kid coming, they just, they're, they're uninspired. They're not motivated. They don't want to be there. Like I, DJ at the TaylorMade Relief looked a little uninspired to me, right? When he was yes. there, DJ is focused. And when you wake up the lion, this is what you get. And I think Brooks, you know what? I think he fed to it. Yeah. I think there was confidence that he found, um, not to not to diminish the host of the podcast that I'm a guest on. I, I put zero into the Brooks Kepka thing. Oh, I, I, I seriously on. do. I put zero into it. And I do I do for two reasons. One, I think Brooks was taken completely out of context. I think that Brooks says some things that we should probably um, hold his feet to the fire to. But I think in that live moment and the way that he sort of said it, I don't believe it was calculated. I think it was just he didn't know who was behind him. And, you know, he says, you know, DJ, I guess, has one. You know, the way they kind of said it, I just think it was... I don't. I, I think that it was made to be too big of a deal. And the other reason why I don't think it matters so much because I don't think DJ pays attention to any of that. 
I mean, one of the things that makes him such a fascinating character in the game is just how simple his approach is to life and to golf. And, you know, whether you call that perspective, whether you call that having the blinders on, you know, I think that, you know, the emotion that he showed when he made the putt to force the playoff at BMW was as fired up as we've ever seen Dustin Johnson. And he kind of muttered a few words with a very refined little fist pump. You know, it wasn't like he ran across the green or jumped into the arms of his brother or, you know, ran the rope line high-fiving volunteers. Like, that's just kind of the gate in which Dustin walks and thinks. And, you know, I think you could walk up to him and insult him to his face and he's going to forget about it in in a few but i think he has just great amnesia when it comes to some of those things it's more just he was playing really good golf uh, he and his team found something and he was able to just sort of carry that confidence in all those shots all the way through and you know that the pga championship we're going to look back on that and psychoanalyze it for years because of you know the no fans the shots that were hit down the stretch you know, DJ went into the final group with a chance to win that and still shot a final round 68 and got beat. And it felt like because of how Colin won the golf tournament that DJ, you know, was just out of it the whole day. He just didn't get anything going to be the guy on the top of the board. And then one guy hits an incredible shot, an iconic shot, and wins the golf tournament with an eagle on 16. So it wasn't even like it was one of those, oh, DJ had the lead and he gave it up. Like he played okay on Sunday. So yeah, I, I just think it it's a peak of his powers move for him the last month and a half and it just goes to show how generational of a talent he is why he's a no i mean he's obviously a hall of famer and it's just like a nice little cherry on top to you know a career that i don't think has gotten as much attention as it probably should for how good he is yeah that's fair i think we're uncomfortable in golf when a player calls someone out you know we see it in football we see it like well we have to invent drama right well, I don't think we're inventing it. I, think, I, I mean, think there aren't enough. There aren't enough personalities. Like we have to invent <laughs> I don't it. I think from we invented it. I think Brooks put it out there. Like I think he yeah. did. I mean, I think he just laid it out there, and I think you can interpret it your way, or you can interpret it my way. And I think Brooks is comfortable in his skin, and he's confident slash arrogant at times. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, he's only one. You know, like, you can. Interpret I think he was it. calculated at poking Rory, and I think he was very calculated at poking Bryson this year. I, I just don't think that day, you know, in a post round interview when there's still golf going on in the golf course and you're sort of asking about position, I just don't think that there was enough time for Brooks to think like, oh, I'm going to needle Dustin Johnson and hope that he hears this sound bite. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree, but I, okay. I it, it's interesting. You know, I mean, it, it really is. I don't know if DJ and Brooks are, you know, the bash brothers like they used to be and, and as tight as they used to be when Brooks was first coming out, but. You know, hey, I mean, regardless, DJ was inspired. I mean, he he was focused. Yes. You could see it. And and he's the number one player in the world. What's interesting with DJ to me and his team, I had Alan Terrell uh, on the podcast, one of DJ's coaches back at in Myrtle Beach, at Coastal Carolina when DJ was there and still works with DJ. What's interesting is that when DJ is on the road, Claude is there and Claude hangs with them and works with them. The two don't communicate. Alan and Claude do not communicate. All right. So DJ really, in essence, has kind of these two guys that he works with, worked with Alan back in Myrtle Beach, where yeah. school is, and they do a lot of work together. And then on the road, he's out there with DJ and these two coaches don't communicate. That is very unusual, Will. I mean, that is very unusual. But it tells me is DJ is, he, he completely owns what he does. What I love about that. As a tour player, 
you want your players to own what they do. You don't want them to deflect. You want them to take full ownership of what they do. I, I get the full impression that DJ does. Yep, yeah, work down on there and I'm on the course. I, I'm out there and I work, I kind of hang with Claude and, you know, I just kind of make it all go, right? I kind of filter through what I like, what I don't like, and I just go out and play. So he owns it. You just don't see this kind of relationship with players and teams like this. But the reality is that's the truth. What do you say to that? It's the definition of DJ, right? It's like the de- like when we look up and we write the chapter about him in this stage, it's just going to be like, okay, it, and that's not unorthodox. It's just, okay, you know, I'm, I'm back home and I'm going to work with this guy. When I'm right. on the road, I'm going to work with this guy. And, you know, okay, if they don't talk to each other, they don't talk to each other. It's like I, I've actually had better interaction with Dustin Johnson a few times. I've interviewed him over the last couple of years. And it's, to me, it's like, he's just figured the whole thing out for himself. Yep. You know, like he's just supremely comfortable with how it works for him, how simple it is, not, com- you know, not, not complicating things. And also recognizing that, you know, he's got something that a lot of people, you know, don't have. And yeah, you would know more than anybody about what that's like, what that communication is like and having multiple guys who are sort of looking at things and, and how challenging that might be. And again, most challenging things you know, just kind of go into the Dustin Johnson machine and he makes them look so simple. You know, I, the, my Twitter feed is just full of, you know, video montages of DJ through the years hitting 320 yard two irons or yeah. showing touch here or, you know, his funny comments, you know, one-liners at press conferences when you expect an essay from most players and you get, you know, five words from it's just, it, it's DJ being DJ. So when I hear it, it's like, yep, it probably works for him. Would it work for, you know, the high strung 90% of perfectionists that are around him on the PGA tour? Absolutely not. It would drive them absolutely bat bleep crazy. And it doesn't for him. And it's, it's what's made him so it's what's made him so interesting because I want him to get another major because I feel like the few times he's really had those opportunities for whatever reason, those are the moments when things don't look simple for him. Like why in those couple of moments psychologically do things get complicated for him? And it'd be great for him to get another U S open in a couple of weeks. It would have been great for him to get that PGA championship because I think there's a huge difference in how we perceive a golfer who has multiple majors versus one who has one. Yeah. It works for DJ because skill, right? I mean, he's, he's the most skilled yeah. player um, out there or certainly one of them. He's 11th and off the tee. He's 17th in approach. He's, 48th and putting, you know, his around the green game struggles a little bit at times. He's, he's 95th. I would love to see him cap it off at the U S open here in two weeks as well. I, I think it would be, uh, it'd be terrific to see him get his second major championship, a uh, future hall of famer. It'd be fun to follow him here as we um, get into the super season that begins this week. But before we get there, do you like the run of the three courses? I, I, I liked Olympia fields a lot. I, I really, you know, TPC Boston DJ embarrassed it. Um, at 30, Harris was at 19. Olympia Fields, of course, they only get it to four under DJ and John Rom. Rom, of course, eventually wins. And then here they are, you know, at East Lake, which is always a great test. And um, you know, I think DJ was shot what 10 under for four days. If you yeah, if you take out the yeah, um, well, 11 under 11 under, right? yeah, 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 11. So you take out the head start. So it's a great course. I, I really like Olympia Fields in the middle. Will, um, how, how do you like the run of these three? Yeah, it worked out really well because I, I thought we Olympia Fields sort of saved um, saved the PGA Tour from the wrath of the 
the golf course architecture crowd and we don't like birdies crowd that were really chomping at the bit with their pitchforks and their torches after Boston. And um, I try and defend Northern golf courses as much as I possibly can. I don't have any insight into the agronomy or even what the weather was leading up to Boston, but it was certainly a golf course that was, you know, ripe for the taking and a little bit soft. But I also have to remind people, you know, if we've had, you know, heat and, you know, storms rolling through almost every year in the Midwest, you can't really defend bent grass. It's very hard, especially these days to defend that grass like you can with Bermuda sort of golf courses. And so Boston led to this scoring fest. And look, I know plenty of people that watch golf that want to see birdies. They want to see guys do ridiculous things because um, the average consumer of the game can look at a guy and who cares how wet the green is. If someone's hitting a three wood 280 yards and holding it onto a green, you know, almost everybody else that's out there playing at their local club can't do that. So it's still fun to watch these guys hit those shots. But then I think the dichotomy of transitioning to Chicago and playing a very fair and extremely hard golf course was perfect. And what I think made it even more perfect is the fact that the guy who overpowered the course the week before and had everybody sort of saying, look, this is what's wrong. And, you know, they're setting up these golf courses too easy and they're setting it up too soft and it's playing into the hands of a guy like DJ who runs away with it. Is then who was the best player the following week? Even John Robin minute, stole the golf tournament from the guy who probably played the best. And that was Dustin Johnson. So you're telling me that the best guy the week before on a, you know, playing on a wet sponge, goes and plays on concrete the next week and is still, oh, by the way, the best player. So to me, it, it was a great test because, mm-hmm. and most players I talk to agree, they're like, yeah, like, what do you want? Like you either go and make birdies or you go and figure out a way to survive. And so um, I love the BMW championship. I love the venues that it goes to. I love that it moves around from city to city. It's, it's arguably my favorite golf tournament on the PGA tour every year. And so I think the playoffs have hit this pretty good stride now in the three course rota if you want to say yeah. that, because you're going to have your Beth pages and your New York golf courses, you're going to make an, a trip to Boston every three or four years. And then I guess the debate is, you know, where East Lake sort of stands in it. It's such a big ballpark. It's great when there are fans there. I think reversing the nines brought in a lot of really cool drama, especially with a par five sort of finish. And I know that this past week, it, it sort of, it fizzled because you gave the best player in the game you know, this edge over everybody else. And it proved nearly impossible to track him down, even though Xander beat him by four, you know, in the, in the gross game, you know, DJ, you know, is able to hold on comfortably in the net game to get it done. I still think it's a great venue because um, it rewards good ball striking. It has the potential to give you, you know, 64, 63 sort of shootouts, or it could be really hard if the wind's blowing and it's firm. Um, it'd be interesting though, because Travis is such a small footprint of guys. Um, uh, especially in a year like this, if we, if we had known that we wouldn't have fans six or seven months ago, could you have moved this anywhere? Could you have brought a, a course into play that otherwise logistically couldn't host an event of this magnitude with fans and just kind of put something cool on TV, like they did with Seminole for the charity match or something like that. I think that would have been really interesting, but you know, I think in most years, it sets up really perfectly. And this year we had the perfect set of conditions because you had three golf tournaments with three kind of different types of conditions. So you really couldn't say, Oh, the playoff set up for a certain type of player. You know, it was balanced the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Olympia fields really rounded that out. I think without it, you know, it would have been, it probably would have fell apart. So I think Olympia fields really filled the gap nicely there. I enjoyed that golf. I wouldn't want to watch it every week, but 
Yeah, I don't want to call it, very... it every week, Travis. I mean, I had three hour stretches when I was on the air where I didn't call a birdie. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't call a birdie for three hours. Like, how am I supposed <laughs> to keep my energy up when I'm just sitting there like, yeah, he's going to have 45 feet for birdie. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a tough two putt, Earl. Oh, we'll yeah. Maybe we'll be back to check on it here in a second. Okay, lags up to three feet. Still a little bit of work left there. Okay, yeah. he got it in for par. We're <laughs> on to 12. You know, it's like, that, that was like every single day for those some yeah. of those guys. Yeah, you wouldn't want to call that every week nor watch it. And, and I don't think that's what the tour wants either. But I think in, in rounding out this three tournament stretch, I think it really filled the gap. I enjoyed it. It was fair. And we've been treated to some great golf. I mean, goodness gracious, the, fields have, been, the fields have been fantastic. I enjoyed the PGA at Harding Park, you know, and then you, then you come over for these three. Obviously, the WGC was right there before PGA. I thought TPC um, Memphis was, or Southwind was fantastic. I still think that's one of the more underrated golf courses in the country. And so we've just been treated to some great golf and we're going to keep it going here into the new season. Um, one guy that I don't think, but actually before I get to this guy, I want to, I want to go back to your Twitter handle here for a second at Will Haskett, because sure. there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's two sides here. You're going to either come down on one side or the other. One side says, you play it until you get into the to the final 30, and then you just play the tournament for that, right? It's just its own tournament for $15 million, no head start, okay? Mm-hmm. Other side of it is it's this true season-long race, kind of this season-long tournament. You accumulate points, you get into the playoffs, the points continue, and then it's obviously the staggered start, right? So you're getting rewarded for your play throughout the year, and then into the playoffs, which to me is more just like a season long tournament capped off. That is the tour championship. So do you like that and how we have it currently? Or do you like it? Hey, the hell with that. No more net game. Let's just play it 30 off and Xander wins it. I like trying to work with what I have. Okay. If if that makes sense. Like I try to avoid negativity in my life and I don't want to get all kumbaya here on you, Travis, but it's like, why it, why does everything have to be dissected and picked apart? Mm -hmm. We had a system before where poor Steve Sands had to sit up there with a TV monitor and sit there and tell you how one person missing a bogey putt on 15 was going to change the point structure so that so-and-so is going to win the cup, but so-and-so is going to win the tour championship. And we had a system that, while I was okay with the idea of multiple winners, it certainly was getting a little bit stale with the idea that somebody walks down the 18th fairway, hoists a trophy, but then actually doesn't get to collect. So you have these playoff winners. We're trying to tweak it all because I think the viewing public wants to have somebody walking off of 18th grain at East Lake every year on the 70, oh, so 72nd hole and be like, that's the guy. He won the whole sort of thing. But then how do you wait an entire season? Like you have to find a way to provide an advantage. Mm-hmm. And I actually joke with guys on Twitter last week, someone suggested the idea of, you know, what if you give somebody a mulligan, you know, like the guy who goes in there first, like, and I go, yeah, let's start adding stuff up. Like somebody gets to lift clean in place for an entire round. Cause he enters the week 10th and point. I mean, let's get crazy. I mean, let's come up with all sorts of inventive ways that you can still have your true stroke play tournament, but we somehow give a guy an advantage. I mean, that's the idea of calling. You can't call it playoffs. And, and not have some sort of weighted advantage for the regular season, simply qualifying for the playoffs in any other sport doesn't then completely reset the field. We don't go, well, I say that now we don't go into a bubble. Well, we are going into a bubble now, but in the world of sports, but for the most part, it's what happens if you have the best record in the AFC 
in the NFL. You don't have to play the first weekend. So your statistical probability of making it to the AFC championship game has now gone up because you avoid a game. Then you get to play in front of your raucous home crowd the whole time. And if you do make it to the Super Bowl, you finally play kind of a neutral field sort of thing. I, I guess my thing is, was there a, a lack of excitement um, in the final round of the tour championship this year, because it didn't come down to one guy needing to do something on the final green. Yeah. But there's also been a relative lack of excitement because we haven't had fans at a lot of these sort of events and we've had to rely on incredible shot making, whether it was Rahm at Memorial and BMW or Morikawa at the PGA, just to sort of bring electricity through the screen to those that are sort of watching. So when I think of this format, I, I want to give somebody an edge, you know, if, if DJ shows up after all the stuff that he's done the last couple of weeks and ends up losing by four to Xander, which is what happened if we played it straight up yesterday, then are you telling me that Xander Shoffley is the deserving FedEx Cup champion because he won the one tournament yesterday? Even Xander doesn't agree with that. If you, if you listen to some of his post-round right. comments, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, DJ played better than everybody else. He deserved to have this cushion. And here's the other part of it too, Travis. If, People are saying, well, Xander should have won the tournament. Well, if you tee them all off at the same score, who's to say that DJ isn't approaching yesterday differently? You know, who's to say how the score sort of fall or how he reflects back on the first round when, you know, JT made a little bit of a charge and Rory made a little bit of a charge. You know, how does DJ recalibrate going into round two? if he doesn't still have a share of the lead versus if it was a, like it, there's too many hypotheticals where would it be better if we did this or did that? It's like, uh, you know, it's two years in, let's see what keeps happening because yeah. last year was great. I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better last year with Rory right. running down, you know, Brooks and all those guys. So, you know, okay. Like DJ was the best player for the last month and a half and was without a doubt, the best player in the playoffs. So I have no problem with giving him 15 million in the FedEx cup because he went 67, 70, 64, 68 at East Lake and beat everybody in the field straight up, except for two guys. Like, yes, he deserved to be the Fed. He deserves to be your playoff champion. He had the best playoffs. I I completely agree. That's where I come down on it as well. And, And I know like some of them are having a hard time giving DJ the win and he like, doesn't get it in world golf ranking points and they figured get out it in world golf. to make it work. So it's like, why are we mad? Because right. he's not going to be his status in the world is reflected on him finishing tied for third, not finishing right. first. So right. in the interest of fairness, it's, it's fair, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I, I agree. They're, they're saying a PGA tour win, right? Like, yeah, that's the hard one. I do. I do one. understand that a little bit. That's yeah. kind of weird when you, when you go back through it of yeah, how, yeah, that is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's, we have to have one guy. It's a season long tournament. It's the season long race. It's a yeah. accumulation, right? That's so a great it's way like, of putting it. I don't think people think of it that way. They, don't, they think of it as a 72 hole event. It's not, it's a 33 event event. It is. And that's yeah. how they, that's how they kind of, you know, they market it. That's how they position it. And, and, and with that said, I'm okay with the win at the end. I am. I'm okay with it. Like I get though the heartache over it, especially like you have a lot of former tour players who I think have a hard time with that, right? Like we're going to give them a win for that. You know, I mean, Xander won it, but at the end of the day, it's it's a season-long accumulation tournament where the tour and Coca-Cola, I'm sure, want it all to come down to one winner at the end holding the trophy. And that's and that's what it is. And Rory was a perfect case scenario. DJ was a little too dominant this year. But at the end of the day, Rory wins it last year. 
DJ wins it this year. And oh, by the way, you've got, um, you've got four of the top five in the world and the top six. I mean, so it's like, to me, there's, they're really narrowing it in and rewarding the best player over this period of time, over these playoffs, more importantly, um, to, to get the $15 million. Now, one player that kind of was on the other side of this, um, as far as playing their best golf here down the stretch. And, and that is Bryson. The big concern to me is the approach game and, and you know, yeah. he's got the distance. We know that. And there's a huge advantage, but convince me that the approach game is benefiting from this. It was early, you know, it was early. He was, yeah, he was doing well with the iron game, but it, it's hit the brakes in a big way. He lost seven strokes at WGC, uh, strokes gain approach, lost two at the trust, lost five and a half at BMW and lost two at the tour championship. So the approach game is struggling and we know, Will, strokes gain approach, it's the most important statistic on the PGA tour. You can hit it as far as you want. Folks in the approach game, you're going to get, you're going to get chewed up, you know? I mean, yeah. And, and, and I think what people, um, what makes it so difficult too is he's putting himself into a window where then his approach game has to be really good. When you hit it that far and all of a sudden you have shorter approach shots, you're being held to a a higher standard in terms of the strokes gain in that hole. Um, not to get into a total statistical rabbit hole here, but we could go into, you know, yeah. <laughs> how how we arrive at a score, how it is, how it's more difficult if you're gaining so much off the tee, because then where the gains are going to be. And he's, you know, what do you finish? Fifth on the tour in putting this year, which I think goes a little bit, a 10th. He finished 10th yep. in strokes game mm-hmm. putting this year on the PGA Tour. So you're right. I mean, he's gaining 1.7 shots in the field with just his driver and his putter and then losing shots the rest of the way. He ended up fifth in strokes gain total. And he lost a lot of those strokes in the last month or so. I mean, he was north of two strokes gain total. It was a half a shot or lost a half a shot over the last few weeks. And you're right. Uh, the approach game has suffered. Um, when you look at it from an off the tee standpoint, you know, his gains there have been incredible. Uh, but he's he's dipped there a little bit as well. I, I wonder a little bit about hitting a bit of a hitting a bit of a wall. All of this golf, you know, needing the break, needing the rest. I mean, if you look at it from an off the tee standpoint, from the final round in Vegas, let's just go 2020, from the start of the Waste Management Phoenix Open all the way through the second round of the Northern Trust at the beginning of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that entire stretch of golf that includes the layoff, he lost strokes gained off the tee just twice. He had two rounds where he lost strokes off the tee in that entire stretch from early February to the second round of the playoffs. He's lost strokes off the tee in three of his last eight rounds of golf since he's played uh, since then. So something has obviously happened um, that is just the gains just aren't sort of there. And then you mentioned the approach side of things for Bryson. It, it's getting worse. I mean, you're talking about a negative uh, math quickly in my head. I'm looking at it negative, almost close to negative 0.8.9 strokes gain approach through the playoffs, you know, had, you know, horrible iron play, you know, and a little bit of a lull there at Memorial and then in Memphis, and you would know better than me because I always thought about it with wedge game and short game. Cause we talked about them around the greens and these single length sort of wedges and having to grip down so far with that upright sort of stance. It's more and more now it's going to be wedge game for him because he's hitting it to having 50 yard shots or, or 80 yard shots or, you know, little three quarter sort of feel shots with wedges when you're hitting it that far off the tee. And if there's anybody that can diagnose it and figure it out, it's him. If, he's probably overcomplicated a, a beautiful golf game more than anybody else, but that's what he needs to do to stay mentally sort of fit and engaged. 
So can he figure it out? Probably, but I would love to hear your opinion on these feel shots, these touch shots, these half wedge shots that he continues to have to hit with what a, a six iron shaft in his wedge <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. You know, I, I can't, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is from the approach game, but yeah, there, there's definitely been, it could be a little bit of fatigue here uh, for sure. Um, down the stretch, they've been playing a lot of golf, but you know, you go back to WGC. I mean, you go back to, he he wins rocket mortgage, right? On in, I was yeah, there. I mean, it was incredible yeah, in July and he lost 0. 0.5 in strokes and approach winning that tournament. Okay. Yep. And then he goes to Memorial and loses six WGC loses seven. I mean, those are huge numbers, as you know. I mean, those are big, big numbers in the approach game. So he's, he just completely lost the approach game the next two weeks he played. Comes back, plays better at PGA. But then it's just been abysmal from there. And it's, it seems to be leaking a little bit, maybe into a little bit of his putting. Didn't putt good at East Lake as well. Didn't putt good up at the Northern Trust. So I don't know. I, I think sometimes with Bryson, the question that I have for Bryson is that when the formula is not adding up, does the frustration kick in a little bit and then it snowballs some, right? When it's like, okay, A plus B should be C. And when it adds up and we go, off we go. I'm, I'm the smartest man in the world and everything works. But when it doesn't, then what happens, right? And, and it's not yeah. clicking. Then the emotional aspect takes over. And we've seen Bryson through this stretch. When, it's not, when he's not playing well, he, he, he acts out, right? We've seen it. He acts out. And so... Could there be more of that happening behind closed door? One would have to think. We see it on the outside. So there's an emotional aspect of it, learning how to deal with all that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be fine and will and rewire and get back into it. But it is a little concerning when you see a player like this, when they fall off the radar in the approach game, because you can't sacrifice that on the PGA Tour, no matter how far you're hitting it out there. And, and there's there's some work to be done there in this in that camp, for sure, heading into... Uh, heading into the U.S. Open. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast which is a good segue here into a new season, Will, if, if, you, don't, if you don't mind. Um, let's set our audience here stage up for the next PGA Tour season, which begins this week uh, out at the Safeway. I know you've been out there, um, beautiful uh, venue out there in uh, California, Silverado, the North Course. And this is the beginning now of the 2020-2021 schedule. For the PGA Tour, which is a super season. I'm pumped. It's 50 events. How about that? 50. How's golf doing? Come folks? on. How's golf doing? 50 events this season. Six majors. The first one is next week, U.S. Open up at Wingfoot. Then we go Masters in November. And then, of course, 
four more majors in the 2021 calendar year. We got the players in March. We got three WGCs. We got the Olympics in July, late July, early August, and then the Ryder Cup in September. If you love golf, you're going to love this super season, which begins this week at the Safeway Open. You were out there last year. You actually were walking with the defending champ, Cameron Champ, who was not there. Cameron Champ, great season. The fall schedule really did him well. Others like Lanto Griffin. Um, tell us a little bit about Silverado and what we can expect to see this this week at the Safeway Open. Yeah, I watched too much golf last year and didn't drink enough wine, <laughs> which you know was what I was kind of hoping for a little like yeah, half vacation, half work trip. But the the commute time every day and all the time in the golf course, I didn't get a chance to really uh, walk the vineyards and and experience it. You know, it's. Um, you know, with no fans, it's going to be even more laid back. It's such a cool laid back sort of vibe. I mean, you're in wine country, you know, there's a little bit of elevation, but you know, an older sort of golf course with, um, you know, I'm not gonna say it, it's a tight golf course, but it narrow fairways and you've got, you know, just the Hills of Napa all around you. It's just a great laid back, um, sort of spot to play. And, and we've seen, you know, some really good performances the last few years. And it just kind of goes to show if, you know, we talk so much in this game right now about the distance debate. And this is a golf course that technically when you go there and you see it, it probably rewards accuracy more than other golf courses typically would. But then you look at some of the winners and, you know, Brendan Steele has dominated one back-to-back and then uh, Kevin Tway won in a playoff a couple of years ago. And then Cameron Champ, who's, you know, before Bryson, the longest guy on the tour, shows up and wins last year. And it, it shows that, you know, if you have, one guy who can put it all together one week, how distance can still have that winning edge when you look at the guys that, you know, are, are right below them those few weeks where, you know, Kevin Na has been good here and Ryan Moore has been good here and some other guys that have been good through the years that are more of the plotters and guys that hit a lot of fairways and value that. So if you can, it really sets up, I think, for, um, you know, the Cameron Champ hits a nice, low, boring trajectory for someone who hits it as far as he mm-hmm. does. And it allows him to kind of work through the angles of this golf course instead of, say, like a, a bomber who would feel like, I think, a little bit more constricted to sort of bombs away it. And then we're putting on Poe. So we get, you know, the, the different sort of approach to that and guys who are familiar with those California grasses trying to figure things out. But, you know, it, to to take, you know words from my grandparents' generation. Like, it's just delightful, Travis. It's just a fun, you know, little, it's a fun little golf course and a calm little week and and sad for the people that are, you know, organizing it this week. Because while the field is is good, there are certainly some names in that field. You know, I think you'd have a much better field if it weren't for the fact that we had a rescheduled major the next right. week. Because, you know, all those guys that have played through the playoffs are just exhausted and they need this week to recoup because Wingfoot's going to absolutely kick their ass next week. Yeah, they got the um, the bum end of the deal, but they're they're been reading some of the articles out there, and they're they're excited to have um, Phil, of course, who's back, who is who is sure. doing well here. Um, I believe this is a six year in a row playing Safeway Open. Jordan Spieth um, is in the field. You've got Sergio there. What do you, what do you think of Spieth? I mean, give me give me a little prediction here with Spieth. Is he going to continue? Let's not say win this year. Just let's just say he's going to continue to find his way back. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I used to say yes. I, the competitive fire that is in him is too strong not to. The generational short game talent that he possesses uh, means that he should be you know, viable forever. 
I think we forget that when he was so good, mm-hmm. his 2015 and even his 2017 season, which I, I don't think people really realize, they're like, oh, he, you know, he kind of had that blip where he wins the, the Open Championship. It's like, no, if you look at his numbers, he was phenomenal in 2017. So you take that sort of stretch from the breakout in 2015 and then all the way through 2017 is not only was he, you know, phenomenal around the greens, but, you know, he was a top five iron player when you look at it from a strokes gained approach standpoint. And I still think he can get to those areas with it. He chased distance. Um, He still has to figure out a way to just get the ball off the tee. And, and it's so, I think, counterintuitive to the way the game is played. And again, you're more qualified to sort of talk about this, but I feel like he's the one guy where it's like, can we find a way to just get the swing thought out of his brain? And if I just walked up to him and handed him a driver and said, Jordan, just hit a little bleeder cut over that bunker or just feel this golf shot to get the ball in play. That's all we want out of him, right? Like this is a hard week. I think it's a hard golf course for him because I think of, the combination of, you know, I think the best player this week is going to be, you know, the best, not the best driver of the golf ball, but is going to be able to um, invent, you know, angles and shots off the tee to try and put scoring clubs in their hands as much as possible. And then you have to putt, um, you know, on Poa too. But yeah, that, that's the thing with Jordan is like, you know, can he just, can he put blinders on, you know, yeah. can he find the clarity that DJ has, and the confidence that he has where I think we've seen the short game return, like the putting woes haven't been as pronounced as they were when he had the original dip, but it's, it's almost this, you know, you know that you're going to get two foul balls from Jordan off the tee every week, two big, big foul balls off the tee every week from him in a tournament and one or two medium sized foul balls in a round. And can he recover from the double that's coming? Yep. You know? No, you're right. You're right. I mean, he, he's going to get it to two, three, four under, and then he's going to make double, right? And, and now he's back to one. And then and then he just kind of rebounds and shoots two. I, gosh, you know, I, I've been really watching him, and he did chase distance. I, I do think he needs to kind of clean the slate and just play golf. You know, Jordan Spieth is a genius playing the game. He's a genius. Oh. And if you can – that's the mindset he needs to get back to. I, I think he needs to hang with Rory. You don't need a coach with you every second of the day. You know, I, I think he needs to just go and do it by himself for a while and just recapture some things. Maybe every once in a while, a look here or there, just go play golf, you know, and I know it's easier said than done. You're not inside the camp, but he does look technical. Uh, and um, those big foul balls, you, you can't miss it. Let's have some fun here. Safeway open. I've got some matchups sure. here. I'm getting ready to shoot the DraftKings show. And, um, Phil Mickelson versus Jordan Spieth, who finishes higher? Phil. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, lo- I love <laughs> Phil's headspace right okay. now. I absolutely love Phil's headspace. Nothing like winning. And, <laughs> no, and yeah, he goes out and just dominates the PJ Tour champions and comes back. Uh, good, like a decent track record here in Napa, too. So, and with the field as light as it is, um, here, let me pull it up really fast here on our boy Phil Mickelson while I'm, um, while I'm figuring this all out for Phil. At uh, Safeway, you know, I just I like the fact that he's confident in where things are. I like the fact that while he's using this as a warm up to um, to next week at the U.S. Open, you know, we just we know we believe more in what Phil is doing right now. But yeah, he's got a plus one point six strokes gain total at um, Silverado in fourteen rounds that he's played, which is one of the best of guys that have played at least two tournaments there. 
Uh, again, like I think it sets up to his eye. Yeah. It's certainly a grass that he's very comfortable putting on when you look at, you know, his dominance at Tory or any of these sort of sort of places. I think it's a really easy venue for him to go out. I mean, he could win. the. Um, you know what? He's probably my short list of guys I think will win yeah. this week. I don't think Jordan's beast going to win this week. So I know Jordan's not going to win. And I think Phil can win. So that makes that pretty easy. Bermuda with some little poet, right? In the greens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you got to certainly look at that, the players that do well in that. You know, I'm looking at the field here, last 50 rounds in the field, strokes gain total. The best in the field, Brendan Steele, is number one. He certainly played well. Didn't play her great last year or the last two years, I believe. Northern California guy, Northern knows California the grasses, guy. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. So Brendan Steele, the number two is Eric Van Royen, believe it or not. Um, number three, a guy that I like this week, certainly going to be in my lineups, will be Joel Damon. I, I you know, Joel has had a good year. He can really go. Um, I think it'll come down to, uh, you know, Joel, he kind of struggles around the green a little bit, but fabulous ball striker, you know, good off the tee, good into greens, um, guy that can, can really go. And perhaps this could be a, a field for him to get that, to get that win. He's kind of one of those guys that kind of runs up the leaderboard tied for the lead. And then he throws a couple of bogeys up, you know, <laughs> So yeah. maybe, maybe that experience, um, I'll give you another name and then maybe there are any other names you have that are in the field. No, Damon's one that I'm looking at. Um, I, I like this, uh, this Cameron Davis too. Um, yep. you know, I, he's made me, he made me some money this summer yeah. at a 3M and he's had a couple of, of good performances. He has, and he's trending. Um, I like him, you know, I, I like the way from a ball striking standpoint, um, I think building confidence, I, I, those are two names that'll be for me, Damon Davis, uh, as you start to look into this field and, and rounding out lineups um, into DraftKings, I think Doc Redman has showed some good form, ball striking machine, uh, a guy that uh, I could see continuing uh, his play as well. But interesting, Steele and Van Royen, one and two strokes gain total, last 50 rounds heading into this event. I think the last 20 rounds, the best strokes gain total has been filled to your point. Yeah. Hard to ignore Brendan Steele because of where he's going into Eric Van Royen has been a really buzzy sort of name. Um, I think all year because of what he did on the European tour and then earning his way to come over here. And yet he hasn't given us the finishes that I think that we expected right. from him. You know, I, he was a big name at 3M cause he played at Minnesota. So there was familiarity there. And then, I mean, didn't even sniff, um, you know, a good finish. So he's been one guy that I feel like, I hate saying disappointing because this is where I get into the whole, like now we've turned it all into, into betting experts, <laughs> no, DraftKings yeah. guys. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's like, he's playing yeah. golf. And so I'm never going to say somebody is disappointing, but I'm definitely shied away a little bit from him because I just don't think the results have matched the hype of what we yeah. expect from him. And his price point has still stayed, I think a little bit high, which makes him kind of hard in, in all of these um, games. By the way, I did check it. Uh, greens are Poe and bent. The, t the fairways are Bermuda with some rye grass, and then the rough is bluegrass. We've got a lot of grasses going on this week at Silverado, so, so Poe and Bent drink. So you got a little, so you got, we got a little bent with Poe like like influence. Yeah. Okay. So that again, so it's like you get you know kind of some of those bumps. They're pretty true, but they're old greens too. So I mean, mm -hmm. they've got a you know a little bit of pitch from back to front. There are some cool little ridges and valleys out there, which is why like when you think about you know Brendan Steele being really comfortable there. You know, guys that, you know, I look at uh, on a golf course this week, you know, like Maverick McNeely to me, like a great putter, hasn't really played very well of late. Uh, he was in the mix, I think, at Barracuda 
um, going into the final round and ended up finishing sort of top 10 there. But, you know, a Stanford guy on a golf course where, yes, someone who wins probably can bomb it past some people, but we've seen guys who aren't very long off the tee who can putt play really well on this golf mm-hmm. course. So when I'm looking down at the the full sort of value plays this week, you know, that's a guy that kind of catches my eye, you know, uh, a Kevin Streelman, you know, who I think you can get uh, if you're just looking for outrights and stuff, who certainly has the pedigree to be able to do some good things. You know, just other guys that I think, you know, this is the week for them because the field is a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been hard with all of these huge fields and all these tournaments since the restart. There really haven't been many opportunities for, I guess you would say, that next tier of players. The guys who you'd expect to contend in weeks where you don't have a ton of the top 10 or top 20 players in the world, you know, to sort of put it all together and and figure it out. So, you know, that like Henrik Norlander's been playing really good golf. You know, he's in the field this week. Uh, Denny McCarthy, you know, led the PGA Tour in putting again last season. So he goes back to back as your PGA Tour putting mm-hmm. leader. I like putters this week who can keep the ball in play a little bit off the tee. So, um, you know, we'll see if any of those guys pan out. If not, I just lost all your listeners' money. <laughs> well, anytime you anytime you throw the word POA around, it totally makes you change your strategy. Everything changes, you know, yeah. everything changes. And so I just, I just plugged in POA into the model here, okay? And into the field, last 50 rounds, okay? Best putters. Well, Sneds, you know, we know he can he can handle POA. Patrick Rogers. Yeah, I, I, I cut. Patrick Rogers, I almost mentioned his yeah. name. He's been putting it really well, and he's that guy who has figured it out. I mean, I'm really biased because he's an Indianapolis guy like I am, but he's, he's figured it out um, now healthy with the driver where he was stupid long when he came out of Stanford and now, but he can be long when he needs to be. So there's a lot of, you know, California vibes from going to Stanford. I I think that's a really good play. This Yeah. I've got him in there as well. He's someone to look at. Um, Kuchar puts Poe well in just Mm -hmm. speaking of perhaps lack of motivation. (laughs) Um, There's Maverick McNeely. Good call. He's fifth in the field last 50 rounds with some Poe influence. Um, we know Luke Donald. Let me here. Here, let me, I'll interrupt. Here's Maverick Manili's best performances this year. Like, see if anything rings a bell. He finished fifteenth at the Farmers Insurance Open. He finished fifth at Pebble Beach, and he finished seventh at the Barracuda. I mean, those are three California golf courses. He did have a T8 at Rocket Mortgage and a T11 at the Honda. So, you know, three of his best five finishes this calendar year on the PGA Tour have come in California on Poana surfaces. I love it. So, I love it. Yeah, that's some. That is some really really good value right there. Maverick McNeely. He loves him some California golf, Patrick Rogers, Stanford kid. We know Sneds can putt. He's, I think Sneds now is probably up to like his 17th instructor. I saw him on Instagram working on a swing with another teacher. I'm just like, goodness gracious. This guy hops around working on a swing. I don't know. He, he, he'll pop up from time to time. Phil, he's there. He's 10th putting on POA. So he, he certainly likes those green. Denny McCarthy pops up there. Good stuff. This is uh, Carlos Ortiz. There he is. We've seen his name um, a little bit as well. And um, so this is, I, I like these fields, you know, come on, let's build based off what we've been seeing. Right. But I, I like handicapping these types of fields. I really do. Will cause you have to, you, you got to put twice the amount of time in um, and, and really look at what's going to play out here, how players are trending and playing. You throw the Poe word in there. It makes it interesting the California kind of vibe and trend. There's certainly something to that. And uh, well, it all starts on Thursday out at, uh, you know, and I say this on my podcast all the time too. I think these are the weeks you go make money. Yeah. 
because there's less guys typically paying attention to it. And it's also, I think it's way easier to handicap because when you have these big, strong fields, you know, you can say, oh, it's so-and-so's tournament, but there are 20, 30 guys that are legitimate contenders to sort of win. I think this week that number is probably in the same ballpark, but we can really focus in on who those guys kind of are and you know how to separate it. But I think at least the way that I've sort of picked this summer, I've had way more success picking the Rocket Mortgage or the Wyndham or some of these places where we haven't had these huge stacked fields because you didn't have the variable of so many great talents sort of watering down your ability to, to pick against um, you know the one or two guys you know are going to be there when it comes to Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff, Will. You're the man. Uh, I enjoy following you there at Will Haskett on Twitter. His podcast, check it out. It's Perfect Number Podcast. Is that right, Will? That is correct. Wait, what's your perfect number? As far as uh, into a green. My perfect yes. number into a green. Little baby pitching wedge, 141. Well, that's, that's a baby well, pitching wedge yeah, I mean, for you was 141? Yeah, like just, just a, I mean, a full out hard pitching wedge, I can carry 150. But I like to just. Wow, what'd you get that thing bent yeah, to? down a little. Like 42 yeah, degrees bent, or something? Bent a little bit. Okay. I'm, <laughs> it's bent a little bit. I, I'm six four, man. I swing, I swing out my ass. Yeah, you got the you got the DJ. You, you and DJ are out there just crunching them from that six four frame. I mean, DJ hit a five iron two forty two in the air. Give me a break, right? I mean, yeah, it's all technology, Travis. That's what I they mean, tell me. me. It's all technology. Two forty two five iron. That's just he found. He somehow found the middle of the club face. By the way, is that a skill or not? I don't know. Unbelievable. Well, hey, good stuff. Uh, keep up the good work, Sirius XM Radio. I'll be listening. Um, and um, Safeway Open this week, U.S. Open next week. It's the super season, man. We got a lot to talk about, so we'll do it again. Now is the time to celebrate. Football is back, and DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of this weekend's action with over $8 million up for grabs across all of their contests. To kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. When you use the code Travis during signup, get in the action now. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like you've never felt before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with a DraftKings lineup. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stand to the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar top prize. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Travis for a limited time. New users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete over eight million dollars in prizes across all contests don't miss this extra special week one bonus enter code travis to get a free shot at the one million dollar top prize with your first deposit that's code travis only at DraftKings. make it rain minimum five dollar deposit required eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details 